Well, good morning. My name is Bruce Young. I am the pastor of First Baptist Church downtown. I've known Brent a long time. In fact, uh, back when he was single, and uh, there, before there was a church called The Pursuit, before there was a church called Revolution 22, uh, he used to work at the stereo shop, and uh, one of my hobbies is being an audiophile, and so uh, we kind of became friends, and I've um, grown to appreciate his, his ministry and his heart for God, and I want to talk a little bit about him today while he's gone, and um, I want us to think about how can, we, how can we honor our pastor, how can we help our pastor while he's away on sabbatical. So he, uh, I've been on two sabbaticals, and so I've been at uh, First Baptist for 21 years, and um, I've talked quite a bit about uh, what, it, what it looks like, what it should look like to be on a sabbatical with Bren, and I want to share with you, and maybe that's why he asked me to be kind of the leadoff hitter uh, in his absence. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit today as far as what you can do as a congregation to help your pastor, even though you're not going to have a lot of contact with him between now and time he returns, I think you can pray. Obviously, we're going to talk about prayer. And so I hope all of you received both uh, the notes for this morning. I know it's a little bit uh, corny to fill in the blanks, but uh, there you go. That's me. And um, there's a prayer card. And so if you don't have a prayer card, we're going to spend some time praying through this today. So if you don't have a prayer card, maybe raise your hand or go get one because uh, we're going to uh, kind of just uh, practice uh, right here uh, before I send you off this morning. Well, the word sabbatical obviously is related to the word Sabbath, or if you're in Israel, Shabbat. A couple of years ago, we were in Israel, and I had a real eye-opener uh, to the Israeli culture, even today, as it relates to the Sabbath day. And uh, I hope you brought your Bibles. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. That passage should be somewhat familiar to you because that's the place where we first find the Ten Commandments. So we're going to look at the fourth commandment, which is keep the Sabbath day. And so uh, get your Bibles. If you don't have one of those, I think there's Bibles. Just raise your hand. They're coming down the aisle right now if you need a Bible. Uh, so I didn't give you a page number, but it's page Genesis Exodus. Okay, so Exodus 20. Uh, I think you can get there from here. So... Second book of the Bible, chapter 20. We're this is the fourth commandment out of the ten. And then uh, he goes, honor your father and mother, and he starts talking about human relationships. But the relationship with God are the first four commandments. No other gods before me, you know, having to do with his the images, names. And then here he puts in the Sabbath day. It's interesting that it makes the ten, and it makes it a number four. So clearly it's something important to God, and the Jews have taken that even to this day pretty seriously uh, we were there in Israel and it was fascinating really how they've taken what God has said and added to it all their own rules let me just give you a couple examples so in the city of Jerusalem there's like a telephone wire but it's not telephone wire but it's like that single wire on telephone poles that encircles the entire city and so this, the whole city, instead of, now there's different walls at different places, but this, this encompasses the whole city, and it's illegal in terms of spiritually. You're not going to get thrown in jail, but if you are walking someplace from point A to point B, if you walk across that, then, then you have broken the Sabbath day rule. So you could walk 100 miles within that, that uh, telephone wire, but if you cross it, 
then you have broken the Sabbath day rules. And so, so they've kind of tried to make rules upon rules, and it really gave me some insight into what Jesus was facing 2,000 years ago when he was healing and doing things, picking grain and so on, on the Sabbath day, and realizing that it really is sometimes difficult to divide what the Bible says and what man says about the Bible. So I want us to look at the scripture today. Another really interesting, fascinating uh, Sabbath day, Shabbat rule in Israel is that you can't ride an elevator. That is, you can't push a button because the Bible says they should, that the Israelites should not make fire on the Sabbath day. So making fire is flipping a switch, creating a current, creating a spark. And so if you push the elevator button, you have broken the Sabbath day rule. And so if you're in a hotel, as we were, all the hotels have two sets of elevators, one for the Jews and one for us Gentiles. And so the Jewish on the Sabbath day, on Shabbat, um, these elevators, you don't have to push any button. You can step into them, you can ride them, and they stop at every floor automatically. They get to the top and they stop on every floor automatically. So no one has to push any buttons and break the Sabbath day. And so all of us Gentiles, we use the other one where you can push the button. Well, my daughter went into the wrong elevator and uh, she, she, her hand got slapped because she was about to push the button and uh, everyone was freaking out because she was breaking Shabbat, the Sabbath day rules. So uh, it was just fascinating. I tell you all that just to say that today it's like they keep the Sabbath day better than they did in certain periods in the Old Testament, like the time of the kings, when many of the Israelites did not keep the Sabbath day and did not keep what we're going to read about uh, this morning, Exodus 20 verse 8. Well, before we read, I want us to go to the Lord and pray. I'd like for you to pray. I'd like you to ask God, invite God to speak to you today. You know, God does want to speak to you today. He does. And so how does he do that? He does that through his word and he does that through his spirit. And so we're going to give him permission. I want you to just invite him to speak to you today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that we can honor you and this day in being here, being with your people. So right now, Lord, we invite you here into this space. We have sensed your presence as we have sung together and worshiped you already. Now, teach us something. Uh, lead us in your word. Take a moment, just silently where, you're, where you are, you in your own heart, say, God, speak to me today. Lord, it's exactly what we need because we need direction from you. We need motivation from you. We need uh, to conform more to your image because you are a good, good father. And your ways are perfect and the, per the ways of the world are not. And so we need to lean toward you. We need to listen to you. So we ask you teach us from your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 20, verse 8. This has the... Of all the Ten Commandments, this has the greatest word count. Just look in your, in your scriptures there at the Ten Commandments. Some of them are like six words long, some of, the, some of those commandments. But this one has the most word count. So if that says anything, it might be saying God wants to explain himself in, 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 in kind of an odd thing. Uh, certainly it was different for in the time that it was given. And by the way, even though many companies take Sundays off, the idea that we're going to talk about today, this Sabbath day idea, is not something ingrained in our culture. 
in our thinking. So, so let's, let's read it together. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, a sojourner who is within your gates. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A couple things if you like to write or underline in your Bible. Go ahead and do that. A couple of things I think here to look at. First of all, the first word, remember the Sabbath day. Make it a habit. Make it habitual. Don't forget it. Okay? So uh, when Sabbath day comes, whatever your day to remember the Lord is, uh, then, then make it um, unusual. He says, remember the day to, to keep it holy. Now, when we think of holy in the English language, oftentimes it sort of uh, gives us the idea that, that he's meaning perfect or righteous or the right thing. And while it does include that, that's not the main idea of the word holy. The, word, the main idea of holy is set apart, different, unique, other than normal, um, not common. So one day out of seven should not be like the other days. It should be holy. It should be different. It should be set apart in your heart as something unique. Okay? So remember the Sabbath day. Don't forget it. Make it a part of your life. Uh, keep it holy. Make that one day out of seven. Now maybe my day, my, my day off is Friday. And so I, I try to protect that day uh, every Friday. Not just for rest, but even unto the Lord. So which, by the way, in verse 10 is the next thing uh, to emphasize or to underline is this is to the Lord. A lot of people, your friends and your family members, believe in taking a Sabbath, which basically means to disconnect, interrupt, cease and desist. That's what the word literally means in the Hebrew, to cease and desist. That is, stop what you normally do, your work, your occupation, what you do for money, what you do for a living, and take this one day, but what do we do? A lot of people are religious about it, but they serve themselves. It's a Sabbath to me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to do my hobby. I want to do what, and, and, and I think, say it's mountain biking, you should mountain bike, but the day belongs to God. It's, it's, it's given over to him. So if he says, today, no mountain bike, today I want you to go help your neighbor mow his lawn or, or her lawn or something, okay? It's the Lord's. As Christians, that's what we need to understand. It belongs, it's unto the Lord. Now, he's not compelling us, he, but it is a command, okay? But if we're going to, so if we're going to be honoring God, this is, this is one of the ways we do it. We don't often talk about this, right? I mean, how many sermons have you heard about Sabbath day? And uh, one of the questions is, is it still for today. I mean, is it just for the Israelites or is it for us? We'll talk about that in a moment. And he says, don't do any work. Don't do your occupation. Look at the verse 11. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea. In other words, he created everything and rested on the seventh day. Now, God didn't, wasn't tired. He didn't need a break. He's infinite in power and resources. He, he wasn't something he needed. Why would he rest on the seventh day? Uh, it doesn't specifically tell us, except it seems to be that he's setting for us an example, a template, if you will, saying, I'm going to rest, I want you to rest, because, A, we need it. 
right? We are finite, and so we do uh, need to be refreshed. So God rested, and then it says, look at the last sentence, therefore, Lord, blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God set it apart, and he blessed it. I'm going to suggest that God will bless you if you give him one out of seven, if you give him a day, if you give him that day, that day for worship, that day for this is unto the Lord. Even if, I'm, if I love to run, I run. If I love to bike, I bike. If I love to, 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 to sit on my patio and drink Kool-Aid, I mean, whatever it is, enjoy it. Rest. Take a break. Uh, don't get your stuff out that you're working on for work, right? Uh, keep, it, keep it holy unto the Lord. Now, uh, this idea of sabbatical, as I mentioned, comes from this idea and so you can begin to already in your mind think of some applications for Bren and perhaps things that we can help him with as we pray for him. One other, while you're in Exodus chapter 20, go to 23, three chapters down the road. Exodus 23, just a fascinating uh, principle that this isn't just about the day. There's a principle that God is setting here in place. Exodus 23 verse 10. It says, for six years you shall sow your land and gather its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. So these people who are part of the land, then you're going to give the land one out of seven. One year you are to just let the... The, if it's wheat crops, they'll grow with volunteers, and the poor can come in. It's a way to provide for them. And also, it's a way for you to say uh, to yourself, this is God's land, and he's the one who brings the crops. Now, Israel never was good at this, and we'll mention it in just a moment. But even the land, what you were to apply this to, to life, so to speak. Now, most of you aren't farmers, so you have to say what how would this apply to me? I'm not positive. I'm not sure. I can't give you much help there. Just that to know that this principle was pervasive. This principle was not just about a day. It was about life. It's about giving God your time and, and giving him time, giving you uh, time to rest. So when God gave the Sabbath principle, a couple things. Number one, it was eternal. I tell you why I believe it's eternal. It's not, in other words, it's not limited to the Mosaic law. When Moses gave the law on Mount Sinai to the time when Christ came and gave us a new, uh, a new law, a New Testament. I believe the Sabbath principle, for one, it was established at creation, thousands and thousands of years before Moses. And for another, you'll see one of the scriptures I give you there is Mark 2.7 where Jesus said the Sabbath day is for you. Okay? And so in the New Testament, Jesus spoke of, the Apostle Paul spoke of in the epistles, the Sabbath day. So it's a principle that supersedes the law itself. Uh, so whatever your view of the Old Testament law is, uh, the Sabbath day is a principle that goes both ways. It goes before it and it goes after it. The laws specifically, or the prescriptions, have changed, I believe, but the principle has not, and that's the idea here. So the, so the idea of giving Bren a sabbatical is a biblical, a godlike action that you as a church have done. Did you know that about 5% of all the churches in America give their pastors a sabbatical? So right away you're in the top 5% as a church. So pat yourself on the back. Say, I am so godly today. <laughs> or we are. 
we are together. No, so, so um, it really is an act of faith, and it's an act of, of recognizing the value of Sabbath. And uh, in this case, giving to your pastor an extended time of Sabbath. So it's an eternal principle. When God gave the Sabbath, it, he also knew that we needed it. We need rest. We need refreshment. We need a time to revision our lives and our work, whatever your work is. And, and in the case of a pastor especially, you know, to be a pastor, it's a little bit of a unique occupation. In the military, they give leave of absence. As missionaries, they give furlough typically every four years. And it's because those occupations, it's 24-7, okay? Even if you're, if you're, if you're uh, stationed in Iraq, even if, you're, if you have the day off, you're still in Iraq, okay? You're still in harm's way. And, and likewise, as a pastor, you're never really off. Uh, I take Fridays off, and Friday I had to do a funeral. So, um, but, but it's more than that. It's, it's that um, uh, people's issues, drama, things going on at church, it's like, it's like a baby. It's like having a baby. And for Bren, I know this about him, he's having a harder time than you are breaking away and not thinking about what's going on right now. Wherever he's, wherever he's going to church today, he's thinking about you guys. And he's thinking, oh, I wonder, how are they doing? Are they going to make it? Um, you know, so, so that's the way it is. And so uh, really without a sabbatical, a pastor can never quite um, break away sufficiently, I think, for rest and refreshment and, and hearing from the Lord. Now, the third thing, because God set up this principle, I believe it becomes a conduit for his blessing. He said he blessed the Sabbath day, but I believe he blesses those who keep it holy and unto him. I believe that, um, and, and I think most of you do too, that when I give financially to God, as he's at, you know, God says, give to me the first fruits of all that you come in. Give, give to me the first. The first from your paycheck goes to God, Okay. Uh, this isn't new. You've heard lots of sermons on it. Um, and, and he says, I, I want one-tenth, which is also in the law, but I think is a principle that applies before and after the law, as the Sabbath day does. And so we know that, that God says, test me in this. I will, not, will I not open up the windows of heaven and all that? So we know this about money, that God says, give to me, and I will bless you. Now, to, I've been giving to God since I was a boy. And I'm still waiting for my ship to come in. Okay, I, I haven't won the lottery, which is hard to do if you don't buy a ticket. But I figure I could, the odds of me winning the lottery are the same as me finding the winning ticket on the ground. So, so why buy one? Because they're the same. So, but I have to say that having given to God for that, for decades now, uh, I look back and I see God's blessing in our lives in so many ways. And I think that there's a direct connection to being faithful personally, you, in your home, in your family, uh, and as individuals, even if you're in college, right? I, th I actually think giving to God is the easiest when you're in college. You think it's tough? Wait till you get married and have kids. Okay, so um, anyway, God's blessing is attached to that as it is to the Sabbath day. When I was in college, I was an architecture major uh, in my undergraduate studies, and um, 
that was a that was a uh, a discipline where it was very difficult to take the weekend off. It was very difficult to to con, uh, to maintain a Sabbath day commitment. Almost all of my classmates, you know, we all did all nighters all the time, and and I would I would leave them uh, on Saturday, and I would see them Monday morning. They hadn't left, and they really needed a shower. Uh, to, to be honest, but I made a commitment early on in my college career that I was going to take this, I'm going to apply this Sabbath principle, and, and my classmates looked at me like I was really off, really strange, and I believe yet God blessed me even in my schooling because of that very commitment, and I think he'll bless you. I think God attaches his blessing with obedience, and, and of course, he's asking us here to set aside this sabbatical idea. This Thursday, uh, I have a friend, Skip Hall. Some of you know the name. He was the coach of Boise State football for, I think, about six years back in 19. I think he took over the program about 86 or something like that. And, and uh, Boise State had been in the big sky for 16 years, and they had experienced their first losing season when he came in, when he was hired as head coach. And so there was a little bit of pressure there to turn the program around, which he did. And... Uh, he was an assistant coach for some 20 years before that and uh, at the University of Washington. He, he uh, helped Don James there take the Huskies to Rose Bowl win to, na- to share in the national championship. And uh, he worked with Missouri. He worked at Kent. Uh, so, so he had worked as an assistant coach for some 20 years, and then this was his first head coaching position. And while he was there at the University of Washington, someone led him to Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. And he and his wife began to grow and study the word, and he became convinced of what I'm going to tell you right now. When he came to Boise State, he made a decision. We, I, my coaching staff, are going to take Sundays off. Wow. I said, Skip, has anyone ever done that? He says, I don't know of anybody. I still don't know of any coaching staff, even in the Bible Belt, who does that. Nobody does that. Every D1 football coach works 24-7, especially during football season. But he chose this principle, God's word. And uh, he wasn't the most successful uh, coach in Boise State history, as you know. But you look at his life now, God has blessed him. God has blessed him. And and I think for many reasons, but perhaps uh, part of it is his commitment to follow the Lord, even when it's difficult, when it's impossible, when no one else around you does it. And so uh, even though you're in the top 5% as churches, and some of you think even now this is crazy to let your pastor off for six, eight weeks, um, it's just, it just sounds so unusual. And praise God it is. Uh, and, and it's going to be uh, a blessing for you, I believe, in the long run for a church. As I mentioned, I've been on two sabbaticals, and both times I've come back from those sabbaticals, and people have said to me, wow, you've changed. You're different. Uh, there's something about you. And, and as I've listened and talked, uh, really what, what happened probably uh, among other things, but at the top of the list would be a renewed passion for the Lord and especially for his work and for his calling uh, into the church. Uh, I'm 58 years old, and most pastors I know who, reach, who are starting to approach 60 begin to think about retirement and coasting. In other words, doing the same thing, um, looking at their watch, 
you know, um, when, when can I retire? And I came back from sabbatical um, pretty jazzed up about um, the work that God has for me uh, for the next decade. So um, some benefits. One, uh, his experience with other churches. Today, uh, most likely he's at another church. The next week he'll be at another church and another church after that. And if, if my experience is any indication of what his will be like, there'll be things that he'll, he'll get ideas that he can't get here. He'll get frustrated. Um, both sabbaticals, my journey, my, some of you have been church shopping for a while. It's a frustrating kind of venture. It's frustrating because you, there's something you feel is missing. And that's the way I felt as I went from church to church. Now, granted, it's just an hour. I didn't see the whole church or anything like that. But I came away this last time especially thinking church after church after church, um, I went into the building on a Sunday wanting to connect with God, wanting to hear from God, just as I had you pray. And, and most of the time I was frustrated, frustrated because I wasn't given the opportunity, frustrated because no one gave me space to do that, which I'm going to give you uh, toward the end as well. Um, I came away thinking I never want ever again in any service I lead for someone who wants to connect with God uh, and not give them that opportunity. Now, I can't force you to be, and if you don't want to be, you know, I'm, you're not going to be. But you would think if you came to church, you'd want to connect with God, you'd want to hear from God, and, and I don't want to be in the way of that, right? And sometimes it felt like the pastor himself, the whole thing was, was about their program, their kingdom, and it was a little bit frustrating. Well, Bren is going to experience different churches, and he's going to get some real good ideas, and some of the ideas he's going to get are, I never want to do that ever again, okay? And that's a good thing, and he'll, this will give him that chance. One of the other benefits is he's going to get rest. I always thought uh, it takes three weeks to get a good vacation. First week, you can't get church out of your system. Second week, it starts to feel like a vacation. But by the third week, you're disconnected. And so a sabbatical is like beyond that. And so now you can really uh, be free to think for God to speak uh, for, for this uh, setting that he's in. So I do think uh, what you've done is uh, a very, very good thing. Lynn Russell, who was the former um, dean of engineering at Boise State, gave me some very good advice when I went on my first sabbatical. He said, Bruce, what do you like to do on your day off? I said, I like to fish, I like to golf, and I like to do house projects. He says, that's what you need to do on your sabbatical. So I encouraged Bren, uh, before he went on his sabbatical, to do exactly what he loves to do and uh, get into it with all his heart and just, uh, just enjoy uh, the time that you've given to him. Number three, sabbatical benefits. It's a clear uh, reminder that this church is God's. I know this is wrong, but it's common. As a pastor, you work your heart and soul. I know this is true for Bren. Uh, you know, he, he was a part of the, of the founding of this church, of starting this church, and it's been a, it's especially true for church planners. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's what's on his mind, and it's work, and it's, it's hard. And, and, um, and you begin to think that it all depends on you. You begin to think, if I don't show up, they won't show up. If I don't keep my nose to the grindstone, this thing's going to fall apart. Uh, 
because you're running around spinning plates all the time. And God needs to get us away and say, Bruce, this is my church. Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's a good reminder for Bren, for me, but also for you. This isn't Bren's church. This is God's church. God called you here to be a part of this group, this community. And he says, I got a work for you to do. I want, I want you to get your hands in on this. Now, did he call Bren to be the leader, the spiritual guide and mentor for you? Yes, absolutely. But all of us need, including Brent, including myself, we need to realize that God's church, led by Jesus Christ, is his. And we need to open our hands. And hopefully you're here by his leading, by his calling. And so it's good for both of us, all of us, to recognize that this is God's church. And finally, uh, you'll see that he'll come back with renewed vision and even more importantly, renewed calling. He'll, he'll feel like, uh, God has called me to this place. Now, I know some of you think that he's out looking for a better job. <laughs> Maybe he is. But I, I know Bren well enough to know that he's listening to God. And if God wants him here, that's where he's going to be. And, and so um, one of the applications here is to trust God. I want you to trust God with your church, with your pastor, uh, and to know that God is working in his heart. And uh, that's a cool thing. There's nothing that's going to be better for this church than a pastor who has a new vision and a new calling and a new passion to serve the Lord and to courageously do whatever God leads him to do. Uh, that's our hope. Well, how can you be a support to Bren? Well, you've, you've, you've picked up on some of this already. Um, uh, let me just read these two scriptures in your notes real quick. Uh, Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then to uh, Timothy, Paul writes, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So how can you honor, how can you lift up your pastor? Well, obviously, you can pray. And we have this little prayer card that we'll go through uh, here in just a minute. You can trust. You can believe what God is doing in Brent and in, in your church. You can um, give him space. Some of you, not all of you, some of you are thinking, well, I know Brent's on sabbatical, but he won't mind me calling. Uh, if he knew my situation... If he knew this or he knew that, or I'm sure he wants to come to our birthday, my, my son's, you know, two-year-old birthday party. No, give him space. Give him, let, him, let him disconnect, okay? Uh, he'll want to, okay? He'll want to. Uh, but I'm just saying, I'm asking you, leave him alone. Let God work in his heart because um, he's already tempted strong enough already just to, to make some phone calls, see how you're doing, Okay? You'll be fine, okay? And, and finally, number four, give. Uh, let me just give you a little sucker punch here. What if your church grew in attendance and in giving while Bren was gone? What if you said, you know what? This is when my church needs me the most. This is when I can really 
uh, put my hand on the plow and be a part of the work. And so I, I'm going I'm to put this back in your lap and say, if there's ever a time for you not to listen to that little voice in your head that says, you know, Bren's not here, and I don't know the guy who's speaking, and he's probably boring as the first guy, so I'm just going to skip, okay? It's, it's going to be so easy. And so I'm just saying, don't do that. One of the ways, because I know, he's like, he didn't say this out loud, but I read his mind. And he said, if I go on sabbatical, no one will be there. And the giving, you know, it always goes down in the summer anyway. I'm just telling you how pastors think. And I know it's not all about the attendance, all about the money that comes in, but, but people, this is your church. So, so now's a good time to give, to give back, to give to the body, to give to the church. Well, let's just take a minute, uh, take out this prayer. I will pray for Bren. I'd like you to put this on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, put it someplace on your dashboard, uh, someplace where you'll see it every day. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to spend a half an hour, although you might want to. That'd be good. But, but remember Bren every day. And so I even, I even gave you a little cheater sheet here. Monday, pray for refreshment, refueling, re-energizing. Tuesday, pray for God-sponsored ideas that come into his head. On Wednesday, pray for vision and passion for the next five years. On Thursday, pray for fun, laughter, and relaxation. Uh, I hope he has the time of his life over the next six to eight weeks. And Friday, uh, pray for quality family time, right? So I want you to pick one of these in your head right now, okay? Just, just I want you to pick one. We're going to pray in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray and, and, and lift him up. But on the bottom, you'll see the commitment that I'm asking you to make. I will pray, I will trust, and I will give, right, to Revolution 22 and to Bren um, this, this, uh, these next few weeks, okay? So let's, I'm going to give you just a few minutes of silent prayer and encourage you to lift up Bren for his family, one of those requests, okay? But let's begin this time by just thanking God for him for his wife, for his family, by thanking God for what he, who he's made him and, and the gifts that he brings uh, to, to this church and, and to the calling on his life. Let's just, just take a moment. It's a good thing to thank the Lord and to give him praise, and let's, let's thank him for the servant of God that he's brought to this body, okay? Lord, I know one thing about the church. You love it. Satan hates it. And Satan's very active at work, trying to bring us down, trying to bring your body down, for it is through the body of Christ. Your son said and prayed that the world would know that you sent him. So, Lord, I pray for unity. I pray for support. I pray for victory. I pray for Bren and his wife and his family. Lord, we're so grateful for your calling upon his life. Equip him for the next five years. Um, embolden him. Give him new passion. Lord, we're excited for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.